Welcome to Where Parents Talk. My name is Leanne Castellino. Our guest today is a broadcast journalist, communications professional, and an author. Tara Schwartz is also a mother of one. Her first book, published in April of 2022, chronicles her harrowing journey to becoming a mom. The book is called Can't Help Falling, A Long Journey to Motherhood. Tara joins us today from Montreal. Great to see you, Tara. Thanks for being here. Hey, Leanne. Thank you so much for inviting me. So I'd like to jump right in by asking you, have you always wanted to be a mom? And do you recall when you first came to that realization? You know what? I think I came to that realization fairly late. I think I was really heavily invested in my career. I had a wonderful career. I don't think I met the right partner until my mid thirties as well. So I wasn't quite sure, but um, I would say mid thirties. So I'm going to say I came to the game late. <laughs> and, and then at that point, after you, you made that realization, when mm-hmm. did it become a priority for you to become a parent? I would say it almost became an obsession. Like I, I wanted, once I realized I wanted to become a mom, I really wanted to become a mom, like really wanted. We got married and we started trying right away. And I was really fortunate. I got pregnant within three months of us getting married. You know, when you get married a little later in life, there's a, there's a feeling of certainty about your partner. Something that, at least for me, I felt like I, I knew I had found the right person that would be a great partner and a great father. And I got pregnant really quickly and all within the scope of eight months, I lost my first baby at almost five months pregnant. So anyone who's made it that far sort of, I think, understands the weight of, of that loss. Absolutely. We're, we're going to get into a bit more about your book, but I wanted to ask you when you talk about um, it becoming a, an obsession quickly mm-hmm. after you got married, um, you know, what would you say your goals around becoming a mom were while you were in media and managing a, a career as well? Um, I felt like I maybe had waited a little bit too long. You know, when I was in media, I, I think that It's funny because I remember thinking when I was trying to get pregnant that I wish I had known earlier that it's not always easy. And I I don't think they tell you that, you know, when you're you're getting older, you're climbing into your early 30s. No one's sort of at your doctor's office says, do you want to become a mom? Because just in case you do, you should start thinking about that before you hit 35. You know, it's something that we have to sort of pay attention to. Um, But careers are busy, you know, but I, I knew that it was something that I really wanted to do. And I had to I had to prioritize it. But I didn't so much would change in the years to come after that, that I wasn't thinking about it too much until things started to get difficult. So let's talk about that. What was your rationale for writing your first book, Can't Help Falling? Oh boy. It, um, I I honestly didn't even think it was going to become a book, you know, I mean, there's so much that happened between my first uh, miscarriage and the book. So much happened that I wrote the book after I got back from adopting our little boy in South Korea. And I wrote the book at that time because I had so much inside of me. I had heartbreak, I had grief, I had loss, I had joy, I had love, I had guilt, I had fear, and I, I needed a place to put it. And for me, I, I love words, so that was where it all came gushing out. And I wrote for about a year and a half after I came back from South Korea. And it was just kind of a raw manuscript at that time that 
slowly um, evolved into what I thought could be a book. So it's interesting. I read the book a few weeks ago and, you know, I just moved on very many levels because every time I thought that there was going to be a positive outcome, there was another twist and another turn. And, you know, for people who haven't read the book, uh, you endured three miscarriages, uh, unsuccessful in vitro fertilization before turning to adoption, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. So many devastating and disheartening turns along the way. What would you say was the most difficult part of that journey for you? I would say the most difficult part was the first loss, because that was the moment that I knew my life would never be the same. It was the hardest moment of my life by a landslide. You know, I was close to five months pregnant, so it's it's not as... Um, I don't want to use the word easy. It's, it's more difficult than a miscarriage that would happen earlier. Uh, it was really, really hard. And I knew that everything would change from that moment forward. Uh, I can look at myself in a picture and I can know immediately if it was taken before or after I lost that first pregnancy. And there was just so many losses after that. Like it, it was so difficult um, to go through that it, it sort of... Uh, it influenced everything. It influenced a walk in the park, dinner with friends, a night out, my job, my 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 relationship, my friends. It, it, it impacts everything when you're trying to become a mom and, and you can't make it happen. You, you know, you live with this uh, this stigma. You live with a stigma of infertility. You know, and it's it's a very very lonely place to be. You carry around this shameful secret. I can't do something as simple as get pregnant and have a, have a child. And uh, it's, it's a really lonely place. It really is. Tara, what would you say that you relied on the most to get you through each of those setbacks as they were coming at you in different ways, in unpredictable fashion, and they just seem to be just a relentless series of them? Yeah, and I, I think my story is far from the only story like that. I think when you're going through um, infertility, it is hard on so many levels. So, I mean, it's it's rarely easy. You rarely, you know, have this one miscarriage and then everything's going to be golden moving forward when you're suffering from infertility, which is different from if you have a miscarriage and then are able to get pregnant because many women do have miscarriages early on and go on to have, you know, wonderfully healthy babies. But when you're dealing with infertility, so a long period of time where you cannot have a child or never end up having a child um, biologically, uh, it's, it's really difficult. I think I leaned on obviously my, my partner, but uh, I held on to hope really tightly. Like even when I was at my darkest places where I, I thought maybe I saw like a glimmer of, of light at the end of the tunnel, I held on to it because I, I felt like if I just kept going, if I kept going, I would, uh, I would get my baby in the end. Well, it really is quite a journey in terms of just listening to you say, if you just kept going, but while you're in it, finding that strength, um, you know, regardless of the support system around you and, and overcoming all the things you described in terms of stigma and failure and, you know, health and, and all these other things to keep going. What would you say that you learned about yourself? Uh, I changed a lot. I would have to say it changed me profoundly. I think uh, coming face to face with grief 
does something to a person. And I really did. I, I was, I was deeply, deeply impacted by grief. I was grieving um, that first pregnancy and then everything that came after every failed IVF, every following miscarriage. And uh, I think it probably deepened my ability to feel empathetic for others. Um, and I was, I, I felt, I felt more compassion. Maybe I was more compassionate than I had been before. Um, I think those are things that probably changed me the most. Now, you mentioned that you started writing the book when your son was a baby. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I don't know whether your idea right away was to have this book published or if it was a therapy for you at that point in time. But how did you go from, you know, capturing these various things that were happening in your life with, with wanting to become a mom to then finally deciding to publish a book about something so intensely private and personal and painful, albeit mm -hmm. with a happy ending. I didn't know that it was going to, it was absolutely therapeutic for me. So you hit the nail on the head right there. It was a form of therapy. And once I had this manuscript, I was sort of, I, I sat on it for many years, like three or four years, I sat on it and I, I couldn't decide if I wanted it just to be something that was for me and for my little boy to read when he got older, to, to know how much he was wanted and, and how, you know, we fought to have him, or was it something that maybe needed to be out into the world? And that's when I started realizing that there was so little out there for people who were going through infertility issues to lean on, you know, and I just felt like maybe I had the opportunity and the voice and the platform and the story to offer something to women who are going through this. Like if even one woman reads my book and feels that her voice has been heard, that every single emotion that she's had has is validated, that there is hope at the end of the tunnel, that whatever their journey is, whether they go on to have a successful IVF, whether they decide to go the egg donor route, a surrogate route, maybe they decide, you know what, we don't want to go forward with this and we're going to try to be content without a child. Whatever that journey is, I wanted there to be a voice because there's not always happy endings. And I wanted there to be a voice out there to represent all of the women, because there is a lot of there are a lot of women going through this, and I wanted that voice to be out there. I wanted to start, continue a conversation about infertility because I don't feel that it's discussed enough. I really feel that it is a um, a stigma, and the only way to dispel or eradicate a stigma is by breaking the silence. And that was sort of what I felt like maybe I could make some small change. Um, by writing this book and putting it out there and getting it into the hands of, of people that, that would benefit from it. Now, you were writing this book um, and, well, experiencing this loss and pain, and here's the book here, uh, you were experiencing this loss and pain behind the scenes while working in a very public yeah. job in the public eye. How did mm -hmm. you go about balancing those two very diverging worlds? It was tough. It was really, really difficult. But I think, you know, you know this when you're in broadcast journalism, there is a shift that happens when you get into work. Your job is to go on the air. Uh, I was a newscaster at the time, longtime newscaster. I'd been reporting and anchoring the news for 18 years. And there's just a shift that happens and you close that door and you go into work and you you have an important responsibility to report on the news and to do it 
unbiased and to not let you know personal problems come in and affect your work and it's it's you know you just had to turn it off but there are moments when I was going through really difficult times and my father would call me at the end of a, a newscast and he would say like you know I'm, I'm so happy you're feeling better you know you seem better and it would be like yeah I'm glad I seem better <laughs> you know because as soon as the job was over then you know I would go back to to feeling everything and and you know having because it, it's, it's a long process you know when you go through infertility, it's it's usually a, um, a long process before there's a beginning, a middle and an end, whatever your end is. Well, and, and along those lines, in 2019, after 18 years on the air um, at CTV, you decided mm-hmm. to step away. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious, what were the main factors that played into that decision? And where did family factor into all of that? Family was the most important factor in that decision. My little boy had just started grade one. So anyone who has gone from kindergarten to grade one knows the monumental shift instead of like picking your child up whenever you want and hearing all about their day and getting, you know, this, this wonderful explanation of how they're, how they ate and how they slept. You go into grade one and all of a sudden you got nothing and you can't take them out whenever you want. It's serious. It begins at this time. It ends at this time. And I had a difficult schedule. News anchors work at night. You know, you go in at two o'clock, you finish at 1230 in the morning and I was missing dinner and I was missing bedtime and, and it was making me feel really sad. And I had done the job for so long that I thought, you know, I can't ask him to adjust to my schedule. So I'm going to adjust to his. So I decided it was, it was time. I had done it long enough. And I thought I was a a good age to try something new. Um, And that's what I did, but it was definitely uh, because of him. (laughs) And you've, you've never looked back. And I, you know, I speak from experience. You're bringing a lot of, (laughs) a lot of memories to my (laughs) mind as well. And, you know, all of the decisions that we've made in our household, always had, had, you know, the children in mind first as well. Mm-hmm. And it isn't easy, right? Because no. it is a very demanding uh, lifestyle. When you talk about the book, though, um, we are, we are talking about a 10 year journey from the time that you started writing, because your son Sam is now 10 years old, mm-hmm. to the time that it is now published. And I wonder, um, you know, what do you want readers to take away from this book? So much. I want, and I think it speaks to the point that it's been 10 years and I still feel like what I was living through is very similar to what women are living through now 10 years later. It's still this shameful secret we carry around. I mean, because of social media, there's more talk about it out there. I do think social media has opened that door up a little, but I still think it's open only a very, very little bit. And I, I want my book and readers to take away the impact of infertility. I think that people hear about it a lot. Oh, she had a miscarriage, you know, and they're like, oh, that's too bad. I feel bad for her. But to understand the depth of the, of the sadness and the sorrow that comes along with that, it's not just, you know, you know, we're having a miscarriage. It's the whole idea of this life that was inside of us that we had built up in our heads, you know, is now gone. We had to bury that as well. And it is, it is, I want people to understand how heartbreaking it is so that there will be more understanding and more compassion for the women that are going through it. And I want there to be a, a, I would love us to reach a place where people are not uncomfortable talking about infertility. I, I really want there to be a conversation so that when you don't know 
God, like we're having a baby shower. What should we do? You know, she's going through, you know, she can't, she's having difficulty. Which, like, I don't, I don't want people to feel uncomfortable. The best thing that we can do is have this book out there so people can read it, understand how heartbreaking it is, understand the people that you love who are going through it so that you can be more compassionate, be more understanding and not pretend that it doesn't exist, which is, I think, no disrespect to anybody. I understand that it's not easy, but pretending it doesn't exist is, you know, is not going to help anybody. And it's certainly not going to help dispel the stigma that that goes along with being a, a woman struggling with infertility. Absolutely. Tara, what would you say that you learned about your husband along this journey? <laughs> it's so funny because uh, a couple of people who have read the book, um, men, two men that have read this book said to me, my goodness, he's a good man. Isn't he? And I think that the men who sort of see my husband reflected in it thinking like, how would I have um, reacted had I gone through this, this journey with my wife, you know, um, he's a pillar. He really is a pillar. And, and it's funny when the men were sort of talking to me, they're like, you know, oh, you know, what, what, what would you suggest if I was, and I'm always like the thing that he did for me that I, I, I convinced, you know, helped us through this entire process is he never, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Here comes the child. Um, he never um, pushed me to get over my grief. That was the key. He never said to me, like, are you, you know, are you moving on yet? Like, can we put this behind this? Can we? He never did that. He let me grieve for as long as I needed. He was there if I needed him, but he never pushed me to get over it. And I I think for me, that was key to everything. That is a really powerful point, right? Because nobody knows how you're going to react at any point. And th the number of times that, that things happened, as you recall and recount them in this story, uh, it, it is really quite striking. Um, and you don't know whether it gets, does it ever get easier the more times it happens? I doubt it. Uh, certainly, no. uh, you know, the pain really comes through as you read the story. The other thing that's really interesting about your, about your journey, Tara, is when it became clear that there was going to have to be another option outside of, of the traditional options, mm -hmm. turning to adoption uh, was that option yeah. for you too. That's yeah. a separate kettle of fish, right? For a lot of people, a lot of people don't get there on their journey because it requires um, a, a different mindset, I would think. So how did you and your husband go about preparing for that option? I think that it is one possible ending to women who are going through and couples who are going through infertility. It's one possible ending. You know, being in the news business for me, it's always about being informed. And I thought, well, when I was, when I had my first, not long after my first uh, major miscarriage, the, the, the child that was, you know, five months, um, I thought, well, just in case things don't work out, let me look into what other options are. And I looked around and I saw that adoption was a possibility. So I put my name on a whole bunch of lists. And I didn't get called back for years. So it was just for me like a like a like a fail safe. Like, okay, let me just keep this as option B or option C. Um, I always wanted to adopt a child and have a child. So I got sort of 50% of, of that want. And I always tell people, like women who are going through it, I'm like, look, if this is something you would consider, put your name on lists now because it doesn't cost you anything. Uh, no one's gonna call you tomorrow, no one's gonna call you for probably two or three years. And by then you might say, actually, this is not what we want to do, or it might be the phone call that comes at the exact perfect time for you. 
So that was how it worked for us, that the phone call came and I had gone through uh, multiple rounds of IVF. I had one more that I had scheduled and I canceled it. And we decided to go this route instead. So, but it's a choice. It's, it's a big decision. Adoption, it's a whole different kettle of fish, but yeah. you know, you have to, you have to mourn certain things and be open to a different path. Absolutely. And have your partner uh, along with you as well as you make that decision. Tara, mm-hmm. what would you say that has surprised you most about motherhood? Oh my goodness. Um, I guess I, it's probably cliche, but I guess sometimes cliche there for a reason how much I love him like I love him so 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 much Mm -hmm. and I would I would do anything for him you know like I just it brings like it brings me so much joy like it really does you know and that's why like it it it, I, I say that but at the same time all of the hurt and heartbreak that I went through is still in my in me which is kind of interesting. Like it'll, I, it'll never go away. Like the hurt and the heartbreak and the pain and the sadness is still there. And I, when I'm talking to other women who are going through what I've gone through, um, I know that it's there for them as well. I can see it. Like I can see that it's just um, this interesting balance that you live with this immense joy, because I know that not every woman who's going through infertility will have the ending that they want. And it, it breaks my heart. And I mean, the book's been out in stores for about, um, I guess, you know, three weeks now. And the number of emails or social messages I've gotten has been astounding and humbling. Like the women who are saying, thank you, you know, for for giving how I'm feeling a voice. And they'll tell me right away, you know, oh, we ended up adopting or we decided that we weren't going to move forward with it. Or we decided to go the egg donor surrogate route or like everybody is sharing their stories, whatever their ending was. And I'm so happy for the ones that that continued on. And I'm happy for the ones that decided that they weren't going to go through it anymore. And I hope that they they found their own acceptance as well, because it's all about that. It's accepting what, you know, the path that you're on. Looking back and reflecting, as I'm sure you have many times over the course of this journey, uh, would do, is there anything that you would do differently? Oh, boy, I, I'm going to have to go with a hard no on that, because the amount of twists and turns and roadblocks that led me to this baby boy was uh immeasurable (laughs) like I cannot there's so many um and I feel like if I twisted or turned in one way differently um I wouldn't be with him so I have to uh, welcome all the tough parts because it led me to to my little boy finally Tara uh just wondering if you have any final thoughts for um people who might be on this journey um, on right, right now listening to this and wondering, trying to find the silver lining in you know what can be just painful, um, devastating. You talk about loss. There's so many different elements to a journey like this. Any final thoughts that you'd like to share with those people? Yes, so many. I want to tell these women that it is okay to grieve and cry and not want to get up all day, every day for as how many days that you need, that if you can, to reach out to people. And I know that it's not easy because people need to be educated. Like telling a woman who's going through infertility, maybe you should just relax and it'll happen. Or things happen for a reason. You can just try again. Or 
you know, any of those kinds of things that you think you're helping, don't say those, don't say those. Instead say, I know this must be really hard for you. How can I help? Because then it opens the door to a conversation. So try, try as much as you can to, with the people that you love, to let them know how hard it is. Because I'm sure that they don't always know. And I know that was the case for me. So, so try to let them know how hard it is so that you can have a support system because it helps so much. Reach out to other women because I think they're, you know, now we're in a place where other women are speaking more about it. So try to find, you know, a support system there because I think it would help Im immensely. And I encourage other people to read the book so that they'll know how hard it is for women so that understanding and support will be there. And again, like we have to break the stigma. We have to help people to understand so that the compassion will be there. Um, because it really is like when I say it's heartbreaking, it is, it's heartbreaking to go through it. Lots of helpful and hopeful tips. Tara Schwartz, broadcast journalist, communications professional, mother of one and author of Can't Help Falling, A Long Road to Motherhood. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much, Leanne. Such a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you.